2007, I uh, was driving past a theater X when I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Rochelle, I'm sending you there to share my hope and my love with women in that place. After about 18 months of praying and fasting for the Lord to open doors to reaching women with the gospel in those places, um, I started serving a home-cooked meal in strip clubs with one of my best friends. Hello and happy new year from Brian and Bonnie at the Union Movement. Uh, we are so excited to be with you here today on episode 69 of the Union Movement podcast. This is pretty, it's pretty exciting stuff. We took the month of December off. Yeah, uh, we are trying to get our feet back underneath us after some well-needed time off and rest, resting with family. We hope you had a great time. Hope you had just a memorable uh, Christmas season and, and a happy new year. Yeah, we had some ice storms and snowfall around here. The kids were pretty thrilled to be building snow forts out in the front yard, as well as tobogganing down the driveway. So absolutely, absolutely. I didn't get out. I didn't get out much. <laughs> uh, to be honest, me neither. I feel like adults, we, you know, we kind of bundle now. We're just like, I, I huddle inside a I little spent, bit more. I spent most of my time shoveling our driveway. Yeah, that's Let's true. Let's just be honest. You were out there. You were <laughs> out there. And then New Year, right around New Year's, then we, the snow had all melted because we're, we're in Western BC. We're like, our snow is very fickle. It's like, well, we're here. We're ruining your plans. And now, peace out. We're now just water. We're just melted. Yeah. everywhere anyway so we we ended up do, burning our christmas tree we were outdoors and had a had a marshmallow roast outside so yeah. this new year's day we burned our christmas tree not not before no 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 not before we set up early december and we take down early january we're not like the people who set up in october yeah if that's you no offense just good for you just Honestly. festive festive people i'm sure joanna Gaines would be very proud yeah magnolia all over the place <laughs> Anyways, we we're so pumped for today to get back at it here. Yeah, we have a really I think we have a really exciting podcast season coming ahead with mm -hmm. some guests that I am really excited to introduce to you if you haven't heard their voices before. Uh, but then also maybe some maybe some people that you are familiar with. We're yeah. excited to bring them at you, bring them to you. We are being vague, but we will give you more information yeah, <laughs> at the right time. Absolutely. Anyways, if you if this is the first time that you've been on or you're checking out the Union Movement podcast, we want to welcome you here. Uh, if you're a return listener, thank you so much for coming back. We do hope that these conversations for everybody who listens are life giving and transformative and equipping Um for everybody when it comes to topics of sexuality, identity, and relationships. That's, That's what right. we're all about here. So uh, for us personally, in this next month or so, we got some exciting things coming up. Brian is going to be uh, accompanying Jim Anderson of Sexuality Unmasked Ministries. They're heading out to Kenya. He's going to be gone mm -hmm. the end of January. Never been to Africa before. That was the first time. And so he's been researching the different types of snakes. Yeah, I did that to myself. That was a really bad idea. <laughs> There's a few of them. Just in case you don't want to Google it, I can just answer that question for you. Uh, it's mainly poisonous snakes in Kenya. There's in one. Kenya. Is it called the the Boomslang? Boomslang. I was yes. like, that's a that's a good name for one. Anyways, Bri is going to Kenya, bringing messages of helping people find wholeness or in the areas of sexuality. So we're really excited for that opportunity. Yeah. And then um, slightly more exotic 
I'm going to be <laughs> heading to uh, Calgary, Alberta. Not so many poisonous snakes. That is true. Um, but going... those prairie dogs are crazy. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> um, for a women's conference, I'll be there um, bringing our two oldest sons actually with us. What's the title of the conference? Genesis. Genesis conference. Yeah. Love Just it. all about like people finding a new beginning. So good. And the way the Lord, you know, you know, COVID kind of felt like it threw the brakes and ended a lot of things. I don't, Co what? Yeah. Co COVID. <laughs> Sorry, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> um, uh, but the vision of this conference is really uh, through Gather uh, Women, which is a Canadian organization, really just wanting to give women hope for a new like a new beginning and that the mm -hmm. Lord really can bring out of chaos and out of darkness can bring light and um, purpose. So, Absolutely. so I'm going to be there very first weekend of February representing the union. Uh, yeah. So we got some, that's really exciting for us to be able to, you know, just uh, minister to people. And so that being said, if you would like to have the, us come as the union movement to be a part of an event with your church, whether it be here in Canada the United States or beyond, uh, we welcome you to reach out to us. That's honestly is part of our vision is to um, is to just bring this message to the local church around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So today here in episode 69, it's crazy to think that we're already at episode 69. It's really fun. The first uh, 69 episodes we've got. 69 more of them that's right oh they're Somewhere. just coming they're, they're coming. coming so i'm so excited about our conversation that we recorded just before the christmas break uh i said i sat down with rochelle star and we talked about her book outrageous obedience answering god's call to shine in the darkest places uh rochelle is the founder and president of scarlet hope which is a ministry that's focused on helping uh, men and women who, specifically women who are caught up in the adult film industry, just showing the radical love of Jesus. And so we get to hear a little bit of, how, of her story of how she stepped into this ministry, but also how she purposes, and more, and more importantly, you can purpose to live in outrageous obedience. This is such a great conversation. So, so without, further without... ado, here's my conversation with Rochelle Starr. All right, Rochelle, thank you so much for joining us here on the Union Podcast. Thanks, Brian, for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we're honored honored to have you here. Honestly, when we heard uh, your story and kind of some of the work that you're doing, we just thought it would be such a great fit. Um, and so, yeah, so, so thanks for taking the time. Like, Tell us a little bit about your life, your kind of day-to-day -day world and and where, you, where you're from, all that, all that good stuff. Well, I'm based here in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been here for 16 years and I married my, my, my high school sweetheart coming up on 18 years ago. We have two amazing boys, uh, nine and one. And my day-to-day -day life is really incredible that I get to do something that I absolutely feel called to and I love, which is bring the hope of Jesus to women in the adult entertainment industry. And so mm. on a daily basis, all over the U.S., I get to inspire women to do that as well. And um, yeah, I get to live that calling out every single day. And I have been for about 15 years. Oh, come on. Love mm. it. Love it. So as you mentioned, you're the founder and president of a ministry called Scarlet Hope. 
um, maybe jump into a little bit more of the deep dive of the vision and mission of, of what you do there. Yes. So in 2007, I uh, was driving past a theater X when I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Rochelle, I'm sending you there to share my hope and my love with women in that place. Brian, I had no idea what that place was. Um, I I grew up as a pastor's kid and um, in remote little bitty towns that did not have strip clubs or um, massage parlors or anything like that. And so when God called me to that, I knew it was from him because I really did not know what that was. And then um, fast forward in 2008, after about 18 months of praying and fasting for the Lord to open doors to reaching women with the gospel in those places, um, I started serving a home cooked meal and strip clubs with one of my best friends. And we, we went and met the owner of the club and we asked if we could bring in a home cooked meal. And the reason why we wanted to do that, I boldly said, because Jesus sent us here to do something kind and loving for the people in this place. Can we do that? And he was like, what's the catch? And I, I honestly said, I don't have a catch. I just want everyone here to know Jesus. And, um, and so that's what began our ministry. Here we are 14 and a half years later. And we do that every single Thursday night in nine cities across America. We go into strip clubs, sharing the hope of Jesus with a home cooked meal gift or dessert. Um, and it's, it's my, it's just what God has used to call so many people out of darkness into his life. And it's, it's amazing. Wow. That's so awesome. I love the heart of that. Now, I think for a a lot of people, I don't know, it's maybe this undertone kind of thought at times that sometimes you need to maybe come out of a certain lifestyle or experience experience in order to serve or, or reach somebody who's in a certain dynamic, right? Like, how did, how did you go, or maybe how did you overcome that, that sense of like, oh, what qualifies me to, to reach out to, to people in this realm when it's not really part of my, my history or context? Yeah, I get asked all the time, were you in the industry? And, and I was not. Um, but here's the thing that I would say qualifies me is that at the foot of the cross, we are all sinners and we all put Jesus there. And so their sin is no different than my sin. And if you want to get in technical terms, a lot of these women have experienced trauma and I may Mm -hmm. have not experienced that in the sex industry, but I have experienced that in my own life. So I can have empathy Mm -hmm. for the people that I'm called to and that I'm serving. Um, but also, you know, God does not call people who have it all together or have all the pieces of the puzzle. I truly believe he calls the unqualified and then he qualifies you, you know, for ministry and what he's called. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, you know, thankfully the, um, the topic of like human trafficking and and human exploitation and sex trafficking and everything has gotten a lot of airtime. Um, and, and thankfully it's brought a lot of awareness to it, but I still sometimes wonder if there's this undertone, this under kind of underlying thought that a lot of the women who are in this or people in general are all there by their own accord and their own free will. Now you kind of being to use the term expert, like this is just kind of where you, you live and, and serving people like, 
Um, what percentage of the people that you minister to on a regular basis uh, would say, yeah, I'm here by my own free will? So the national statistic, at least in the United States, is 70% of women who are being trafficked are at some point being trafficked through a commercial sex establishment like a strip club. And Mm -hmm. so the women that we serve in these strip clubs, not all of them identify as saying they are being sex trafficked. But domestic sex trafficking often looks very different than being taken from someplace and brought to another Mm -hmm. place to be sold. It could look very simply in in the life of a woman that we serve, like she has a boyfriend who forces her to do this, but she believes that that's her boyfriend or even her husband. And so Mm -hmm. domestic sex trafficking looks very different. And, um, there are those things in the United States where women come in from other countries and so on and so forth. But, uh, I think one of the things that human trafficking and the awareness of it is, and we at Scarlet Hope, we do not call ourselves like an anti-trafficking agency. We minister to trafficking victims that we come across and we help them just like we would help anybody else. But when God first called me to this, human trafficking really wasn't even a thing. In 2007, no one was talking about this. God specifically mm-hmm. called me to the prostitute, to the dancer, to the to the woman being um, exploited. And all women in the adult entertainment industry are exploited. And so right. we have had to learn and grow as an organization in what does domestic sex trafficking look like? And how do we step into that with the gospel and with hope for these women? Um so, you know, to to really help people understand that exploitation is happening on a much broader scale. A hundred percent of the women in this industry are being exploited, but about seventy percent sure. in my world are at some point trafficked. Wow. Yeah. See, I think that would be a lot higher than people would think. Right. And I think, you you know, it's very important, like you mentioned, the difference between, you know, somebody be, being taken, you know, uh, and kidnapped and put into trafficking versus the kind of coercion and manipulation that is like a slow progression yeah. into into trafficking or even, you know, exploitation, where it's almost like they don't even realize it happened, yeah. you know, you know, before they knew it. You know, they're, I think I've I've heard enough stories to be like. You know, yeah, my boyfriend started asking me to do sexual favors for his friends. And before I knew it, it wasn't for friends anymore as for just these random people. Yeah. You know, um, like, again, in, in your line of work, in your experience um, in this ministry that God's called you to, like, have you seen reoccurring themes in the lives of women? Um, I know I understand everybody's experiences are different, um, but are can you see any like kind of key key similarities in people's stories that led them into the, into this realm and into this world? That's really a great question. Um, yeah, because I get really passionate about when people say the phrase to me, well, they chose to be there. Well, Mm -hmm. the reality is, is that unless you know them, you can't say that. And the most beautiful part about what I get to do is I actually know these women and I know their families and I know their children. And the key similarities that I have seen over 15 years comes back to vulnerabilities as children. So 85% nationally of women in this industry have been sexually abused as children. 
that should alarm us, especially when we pass judgment. And it also, um, the vulnerability of poverty can lead to this. It's not in every Mm -hmm. single case. I definitely know people who had, you know, upper uh, middle-class lives and they got into this industry. But the reality is, is that uh, the enemy preys on vulnerabilities, especially in poverty and something, a common theme of women or young girls, 18, getting out of uh, high school, they've lived and grown up in poverty is that this is how they can make fast money um, and, and quick money. And so that would be the second similarity. Also, another common thing is foster care. Um, most people don't realize that people that are aging out or girls aging out of foster care in America, they don't have a lot of choices. And so unless they, you know, go to school or have an amazing, strong foster care family, I run into women or young girls aging out of foster care that end up in this industry a lot. So many, those are probably the three top similarities across many stories. Wow. Well, because I've often heard, you know, slavery referred to as exploitation of vulnerability. You know what I mean? So it's, it's never that, at least from, from, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's never that there was tons of options that these these young ladies had, you know, it was actually that a lot of opportunities and potential had been robbed from them and yes. it created that, that vulnerability. Um, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like, so you've recently, you've recently launched this new book called outrageous obedience. What, um, what kind of led you to write this book and like, why do you, why do you feel like now is the time for this, this book to be launched? So the backstory a little bit is I actually didn't want to write a book. I was being in the the most ironic part about this whole thing is, is that I was being very disobedient. Um, God gave me an opportunity <laughs> to write this book eight or nine years ago. And I wow. really said, I'm doing ministry. I can't take time to write a book. That's crazy. Um, but fast forward in I kept getting approached to write a book and I didn't really understand why this kept coming up. And so to make a very long story short, I was in Israel and nonetheless, and God, um, I had a moment with the Lord where the Lord was like, write my story down. This isn't about your story. This is about my story. And I was like, I have to do this. And so that was back in 2018. I had a friend tell me in 2019, I had told her this uh, word from the Lord. And she said, you know, if you don't write this down, you'll be disobedient. Well, I said, I, that's something I don't want to be. And so I started the process with my agent, long story short, God opened the doors for all of it. And I did not title it Outrageous Obedience at all. I actually had a different title for it. And the publishing agent came back and said, I want to title this Outrageous Obedience. And I was like, no, primarily because, Brian, this is just a command from God. Like we are to go and share the gospel. This doesn't seem that outrageous to me, especially now, 15 years later. And so um, I just was like, I don't really 
I know about that title. Now I completely see why this is, this is the proper title for it because inside, I truly believe inside of every believer is an outrageous calling. And here this day and age in 2022, in our culture, doing anything for the sake of the gospel is outrageous. And it's even in the ordinary things, right? So that's how the book came to be. And it just launched this month. It just came out. Come on. That's (laughs) exciting. I love, I love that story. And it's just like, that's a really good friend right there. You know what I mean? Like not just like, Oh, well, yeah, you just do what's best for you. It's like, no, uh, if you don't do this, like yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're playing around with the command from God. You want to take that seriously. That's a good friend right there. That is a good friend. We all need one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the term obedience has kind of been, and you kind of hinted at it there. It's, it's kind of become this kind of optional avenue of Christianity that like, well, as long as, you know, you're doing your devotions and you're having this kind of relationship, this vertical relationship with God, then that's okay. And that's enough. Yet God calls us to have a horizontal impact as well. Um, obviously that's just kind of, you know, the lifestyle that Jesus lived, like, but how do you think we ended up getting here where kind of obedience and action in the horizontal realm kind of gets put off to the side, the sidebar or, or the back burner, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, how did we get here? I think the enemy has deceived all of us that we want Jesus and eternity without the things of Jesus. And we want Right. to learn about him, but we don't want to be like him. And I think those things are so, so tricky because there is both resting in the work, the finished work of Christ, right? But also mm-hmm. Paul in the New Testament urges us to live out the faith that we have yeah. received and the mercy and the grace that we have received. And so I think too, when I think about the word obedience, I actually, the funniest part about this whole book is that I would even say that I was starting a ministry that was kind of rebelling against the church because mm-hmm. my husband was on staff at a church and it was an amazing church. It was great, wonderful. It helped get our ministry started, but I was looking around and no one didn't no one that I was in contact with didn't know Jesus like or the gospel. They already knew. Right. And it was like, where are the people that like don't know? And so I was like, we're gotta go find them and bring them in to the family, you know, bring them in. And I think part of me is just like I've always kind of been a rebellious growing up, just a rebellious uh, little girl. I'm a real strong-willed person. And so that's what's so funny. But I think when we are in the will of God and we are listening to the Holy Spirit, out of the obedience of that, he calls us to be a little bit risky, right? Like a little bit rebellious against the legalism of the church and what we think or look around us and everyone else is doing it, doing it. I mean, we can list so many examples in the Bible of uh, Jesus saying like turning over tables, you know, and, and going Mm -hmm. to prostitutes and, and telling people like who can cast the first stone, go ahead. Right. Right. And, 
And so Jesus, even in himself, when we look at what he did on this earth, he was rebellious against what we, the, the systems of the church that we, we have set right. up. So anyway, so, yeah, the man-made I, structures. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I could talk yeah. about it for a long time, but. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. I love it. Um, you know, just even listening to your story, like I, I think this is something my wife and I have talked about with people too, especially people who maybe have a prophetic temperament and a strong sense of justice that sometimes they get really frustrated when they're in a church and they see like, they see things that nobody else sees and they're like, how come nobody is doing this? And unfortunately we've seen a lot of people just get frustrated and kind of throw their hands up and maybe even kind of, kind of come disillusioned with the church instead of maybe realizing that, Hey, maybe you're seeing something that nobody else has seen for a specific purpose. Like you were seeing something in your own church, in your own context, you know, like, like you said, you didn't know anybody who didn't know the Lord and yet you're starting to see some things here. Like how would somebody maybe who has a similar kind of feeling, how would they go about discerning the will of God in their own life? Like, is this really the Lord or am I just having a bad attitude or am I just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like how, how do we discern that the Lord's leadership? Yeah, I, I love, I'm so glad you asked me this question because recently I've been prompted by the Lord to, to study in depth Romans 12 and mm -hmm. it, it says in there how we can test and know the Lord's good and pleasing and perfect will. Mm. And what it mm -hmm. says right before that is offer your bodies as living sacrifices, as living right, sacrifices. Right. So what does that look like for each individual? I believe it's different. But one of the things that um, to connect these dots, like practically speaking, a prayer of mine when I was 23, so before I started this ministry and before I received the call from the Lord, was God help me have eyes that see. Now I know what that spiritually meant. Now, looking back, right, I just wanted God to show me who and where to go, who to serve and where to go. And now it's like, that's what looking, offering your body as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord, so that we can discern and test what the will of the Lord is. But it's also an act of worship, it says in Romans 12, is that this mm -hmm. is an act of worship. So asking God, you know, how do I use my finances? How do I use my skills that God gave you? How do I have eyes to see? How do I experience God at work in the world around us? And how do I step in now to that? Um, mm -hmm. I just, I, first of all, if, if you're listening and you haven't read Romans 12, go read it and ask the Holy spirit to listen to to, to speak to you, because I think it's a beautiful yeah. passage on this, on discerning the will. God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. And yeah, one of the, the dynamics, even of that verse, it says, like, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And, and I think one of the things that just stands out is like our world is um, so driven and as fast and as we've got calendars and timetables. And like, I even heard the other day that like Elon Musk schedules his day in like 15 minute increments. I go like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? That's like crazy. he's getting a lot done and it's like, don't mess with the system. Right. Like, <laughs> but, 
If we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus, that means that we need to be inconvenienced at times. So like, I'd love to hear from you, like your personal, maybe some personal story or just even some principles of like, how do you overcome that, that pull of the world would have to just like, I'll, I'll obey God or I'll, I'll do something as long as it's convenient. Like, how do you, how do you overcome that? And how do you just be sensitive to the Lord's leading and just be willing to be inconvenienced? Oh goodness. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I struggle with this still, but I have so many stories of, of where the Lord was calling me to sacrifice my, what I desired and for the sake of someone else and how it turned out to bless even to bless me. I, you know, and it's not about me, but how I've been like, wow, that was amazing. I'm so glad that I I follow the Lord's prompt. So a practical way is like, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving this week and my family loves to be together only. And we love to play games and be comfortable. And I've told my family this year we are, and we've done this many years. They know now it's totally fine, but you know, this year I'm going to pick up a family that I know has absolutely no one. I met them in the clubs, they have kids and they're coming over for the whole day and they're going to play games with us wow. and we're going to have Thanksgiving. They are all on board, but guess what it, it is? It's uncomfortable, right? Are we going to have to walk on tiptoes? Can we be ourselves? You know, we're going to, what are they going to think about our family? And I know coming up this Thursday, there is going to be a beautiful meal around a table. And for the first time, these little girls that will be at my table will feel like they belong. And that's, that is just one very practical way, but it's uncomfortable and it's a sacrifice. Um, and so there are so many other things. I mean, I, I can tell you like driving down the road, I tell people all the time, if the Holy Spirit prompts you to not just give someone a dollar, but actually get their name and maybe you'll yeah. get them a coffee. You will be blessed by that. Like you will help that person be seen and known. And it's it might sacrifice where you're headed next or getting to a meeting on time or whatever, but um, God will be glorified in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't really remember the Lord saying like, thou shall be on time for every meeting. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I, I do think like, what a shame, you know, if we were to show up before him on that day that we stand before the Lord and we go, Hey, I, you know, I, I had a really good timetable and everything was just on point. He's like, yeah, but I don't know. Did you, I just, I just think about in Matthew where it talks about like the sheep and goat nations. And it's like, Hey, like, did you care for yeah. me? You know, it's like, well, when did we see you, Lord? Yeah. And it's just like, well, hey, when you did it to the least of these, this is when you were doing it to me. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I think that's that's the tendency that we have to be kingdom minded people, kind of eternity minded people um, and not be pulled away by the the pattern of this world. For sure. I love that. Um, I love that. I, lo- I yeah. just read that scripture a couple of days ago. I was reminded of that, too. Uh, we many of us, even Christians, will say, "Well, I didn't see anyone around us. I didn't see right. somebody to clothe or visit in jail or this, that, and the other." And and one of the things that I encourage and challenge 
people to do is then change your circumstances. So you do encounter that Mm. move or whatever it is that you need to do. Um, yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more because I go now I understand that like the lost or maybe not even the lost, but like sometimes broken people, you know, can stand out in certain ways. Like if you see somebody who all that looks like they're, they might be homeless or that looks like they're, yes, they might be a prostitute, but I go like, if we're all far from Jesus, like it doesn't matter whether or not you've, you own your own home and you've make a decent income. Like if you don't have Jesus, you're, you're lost and you're broken, you know? And so I think that's, that's even more of the eternal perspective we need to have. Like how would, how did you cultivate that? Um, now, obviously, it, it was, as I'm listening to you, there's a deep desire and just a deep love for people and, and wanting to help. But like, how did you cultivate that and really be on purpose with, the, with, that, uh, with that perspective? Well, I really feel like it kind of goes back. And if you read the book, it'll be uh, something that will you'll understand who like who I am, but how I was built. I was raised with parents that loved people that did not smell like you and I did not look like you and I did not act like you and I, um, it was a regular occurrence around my table at our home to have homeless people in our home to have the town drunk in our church. My dad, like I mentioned, was a pastor. So my worldview, my perspective, my life was shaped by having parents who carried this out. And I realized today wow. that that's very uncommon um, in, in our world. I just don't hear very many people doing that. My dad became a believer at 19 and went to Bible college when I was, when he was 21, I was like one years old and he was on fire for the Lord. So I grew up with a dad that was like, I mean, if I'm going to surrender my life, you know, cause my life was pretty good living in New York and doing whatever I wanted. If I'm going to surrender my life because Jesus died on a cross, I want everyone to know that. And so that was the perspective that I grew up with. Um, And that's how I kind of, that's how God's shaped my heart to have this perspective for other people. Um, So really I didn't, I cultivated it, but I didn't, you know, give that to myself. Well, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the legacy of obedience, you know, and so uh, we've often my wife and I, we've heard this phrase that we use a lot, like who's on the other side of our obedience, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and sometimes we don't understand um, what buying that cup of coffee might mean or just even taking that extra few minutes might to sit and talk with someone might mean. But I I think even generationally, there's such an importance like what you're doing and what you're impact like what you're going to be imparting to your, to your family and your sons and, and the legacy that you're creating for them. And that's, that's equally important. Yeah. Yeah. My son actually, Benny's story, um, he's downstairs while I'm doing this. And he said, do they ever get tired of you listening to you on podcasts? <laughs> no, not I a chance. Know. Jesus, needs, the world needs to know Jesus. So I'll just keep showing up wherever Absolutely. he opens doors. <laughs> Oh, totally. Yeah. We've had some of those same questions, same conversations with our boys. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, it's funny. It's like, why are you doing another podcast? It's like, I really don't know. It's just what the Lord asks us to do. <laughs> you know? obedience, yeah. So it's the, yeah, exactly. And Jesus, Jesus is worth the obedience, right? Amen. Like, and, uh, and the other people on the other side, 
of, of this conversation are worth that too. So, um, honestly, I just thank you so much for, for what you've shared here. Um, how can people get their, their copy of outrageous obedience and just stay in touch with the work that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, outrageous obedience is sold on all online at all major retailers. So Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target, all of that. But it's also on my website at rochellestar.co or scarlethope.org. You can visit our ministry and check us out. Um, we are in nine ministry or nine cities in America, the most exploitative wow. cities in America. We are, we are growing in. And so God has been faithful, but, um, if you are in a city that you're listening to this podcast and you could probably pick up the book at our ministry centers. Love it. Awesome. Well, Rochelle, thank you so much for making time to sit with us and for being outrageously obedient uh in your love for jesus and love for people and uh, we're just so thankful thankful for this conversation so thank you so much for having me brian thanks for listening to the union podcast if you have any questions or comments we'd love to hear from you please email us at podcast at the union for more information please visit our website theunionmovement.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.